You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. When is a fracture more than a fracture? And when does a patient benefit from the care of an orthopedic traumatologist? Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me today to discuss orthopedic traumatology is Dr. Samir Mehta, Chief of the Orthopedic Trauma Service in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems. Dr. Mehta, thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to be here. I guess there is some difference in treating a run-of-the-mill fracture versus a trauma fracture. Can you give us some background on that? Well, it's a great question, actually. I think you can be a fracture doctor, which is taking care of broken bones, or you can be a traumatologist, which is sort of taking care of not just the broken bone, but the patient as a whole. One of the facets of being at a level one trauma center at a tertiary facility like the University of Pennsylvania is that when you have a patient who comes in with a fracture, it's often that they come in with other injuries as well. And so you have to take care of the patient globally in a multidisciplinary fashion with the traumatologists or the neurosurgeons, the vascular surgeons, the ER doctors, the internists, and really provide global care. It's not not just about the broken ankle or the broken femur. It's about the patient as a whole. And so I think that's a very fine distinction, but that's a distinction between orthopedic trauma and what I call fracture care or fracture doctors. So a lot of coordination of care with other doctors and then looking at the entire patient, not just the two fragments of bone. Exactly. And are we talking exclusively then about people brought into the emergency room or do these people also present in the office setting? Both, actually. There are a few different scenarios that patients end up in our service and under our care. The first is those patients that are brought in by fire rescue or by PennStar, sort of our long-distance helicopter uh, team. And those patients are often high-energy injuries, traumatic injuries. They may be at another facility and they're looking to get transferred to our facility because of the kind of injuries that they have. And so those patients are brought in by, again, fire rescue or by PennStar. Those are the acute injuries. They're the what we call hot trauma. And then there's also the concept of cold trauma. A cold trauma is those injuries that can be potentially managed emergently somewhere else and then sent to the office. For example, a patient might sustain a tibial plateau fracture, a fracture about the knee. Uh, they'll get an external fixator, which is a temporizing fixation. It gives the opportunity for the patient to be more comfortable. It stabilizes the bones. It doesn't fix them perfectly, but it stabilizes them. And then they can follow up in the office with an orthopedic traumatologist like myself or another doctor like that. The other facet of our practice that's sort of cold trauma or office-based trauma is the practice of non-unions. Sometimes bones don't heal, or if they do heal, they heal in the wrong way. And so there's a whole office-based practice of non-union care. Try and figure out what the cause of the non-union is, if it's uh, infectious etiology or if it's just that the body has stopped making bone, the biology of bone making has stopped. And so those patients get electively scheduled for surgery if we have to fix their non-unions, motivate their bone to heal, as I say. And then there's also the, the concept of people looking for second opinions on fracture care. Even So they've had a traumatic injury, they had it fixed, or they had it temporized, and they're looking for another opinion in terms of how it should be managed. Very interesting. And is there special training that is required to call oneself an orthopedic traumatologist versus just an orthopedic surgeon? You know, orthopedic surgery residency in general is about five years. The residency I did was a six-year track that so did an extra year of research. But in general, it's about five years, although there are seven six-year tracks across the country. And about 30% to 40% of the orthopedic surgery residency education is dedicated to trauma. There is a, a feeling amongst the orthopedic community that being able to do 
basic fracture care, basic trauma care like broken ankles or broken wrists, that sort of thing that are very common, broken hips, for instance, that are very common amongst our population, that every orthopedic surgeon should be capable and competent to do those sort of things. There is advanced training in orthopedic traumatology. It's a one-year fellowship in orthopedic trauma, and there are centers across the country which are sort of fellowship havens for orthopedic traumatology. There's no extra board certification or anything like that for orthopedic traumatology. But it is assumed that if you call yourself an orthopedic traumatologist, at least in 2008, that you have been in a formal orthopedic trauma fellowship. And in my office, if I come across fractures, I guess I would ask for an orthopedic traumatologist if it's a non-union, a more complicated type of thing rather than your basic fracture? It really depends on the community that you're in. Here at the university, we have a number of physicians who are subspecialists in their field. So we have shoulder and elbow surgeons. We have foot and ankle surgeons. We have hip and knee replacement surgeons. We have uh, hand surgeons. And so, for example, fractures of the distal radius, which are hand fractures, those are generally treated by the hand service because we have people who are really subspecializing in that one area. Fractures of the shoulder or elbow, oftentimes, depending on the way the patient presents, if they present with an isolated fracture of, say, the shoulder joint, they may be sent out of the ER to follow up with one of our shoulder and elbow surgeons. But if they're admitted to the hospital because they have a shoulder fracture, they have a tibia fracture, they have a femur fracture, they also have a pelvic or acetabular fracture, they may fall under my care because of the polytrauma nature of the patient and the fact that they're admitted to the hospital. It's somewhat similar to being a hospitalist on the medicine side of things because you sort of take care of whatever's in the hospital. And you know, sometimes patients will get discharged from the ER directly and they will go to see a subspecialist or they'll come to see me in my clinic depending on who is on call and that sort of thing. So it really varies. If someone came into your office and, and had a non-union, yet yeah, they would probably come to someone like myself. If they had an ankle fracture, you would have the option of sending them to a foot and ankle surgeon who does fracture care or myself who does fractures of the foot and ankle. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and Dr. Samir Mehta, the chief of the orthopedic trauma service in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of Pennsylvania Health System, is talking to us about what is orthopedic traumatology. Dr. Mehta, can you tell us some common fractures that do come to your attention? The things that sort of fall under uh, the venue of orthopedic trauma or commonly that we take care of, probably the, the biggest or the ones that are the most complex are the pelvic and acetabular traumas, the ones where the pelvic ring or the pelvis is disrupted or patients have a, a fracture of their hip socket, their acetabulum. Those tend to be complex. They can be potentially life-threatening. It's one of the few things that I do that I feel like I might be able to impact a patient's life so that's one venue. The other venue that I particularly enjoy and falls under my purview, part of the reason I did an orthopedic trauma fellowship, is periarticular fractures, so fractures about the joint. One option if you're a patient and you break your knee joint is to get a knee replacement. But if you're 22 or 23 or 35 or 60, that may not be an option because you've still got 20, 40, 60, 80 years to live. And putting in a prosthetic knee, while they're very good, the longevity often isn't there in terms of being able to sustain a 22-year-old for the rest of their life and they're going to need multiple surgeries. Whereas if you can get a good articular reconstruction, you can get the joint surface back to where it needs to be, restore their length, restore their alignment, restore their rotation, you can give them their native joint and give it to them for at least some time being. Now, don't get me wrong, many patients with periarticular fractures go on to get post-traumatic arthritis, which is really not very different than osteoarthritis that many people know of. Post-traumatic arthritis, the etiology isn't aging, it's trauma. It's the direct sort of impact to the cartilage of the joints. So the other sort of area of my expertise or the area that I'm very interested in and sort of falls in the purview of orthopedic traumatology is those periarticular fractures. And then the last area of trauma is sort of the polytrauma patient. 
how to manage these patients in terms of what's the sequence of how you fix fractures, how do you mobilize them postoperatively. So those are probably the three big areas that orthopedic traumatology focuses in here at Hub. And in that last type of patient, the polytrauma patient, take the triage that goes on, the coordination of care with the general surgeons, and what are some tidbits from that type of situation? We had a young lady who was at the park here in the Philadelphia area who had a tree fall on her, and she sustained a lung injury, a pneumothorax. She sustained an open fracture of her tibia. She had a closed fracture of her femur, open fracture of her tibia on the left, closed fracture on the right. She had a clavicle fracture, and she also had uh, potentially some uh, intra-abdominal bleeding. She was brought here by fire rescue. While she was en route with fire rescue, they would alert the emergency room, who then activates the trauma paging system. So the trauma team, which is made up of general surgeons, uh, attendings, fellows, and residents, respond and await the patient in the trauma bay, in the resuscitation bay. The patient then arrives by fire rescue, and the trauma team goes through the ATLS protocol and does their ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. They look for any obvious injuries. The pneumothorax resulted in the patient having to have a chest tube put in. Uh, they scan the belly, notice that there was bleeding of the spleen, but not so much that they had to rush the patient to the operating room for an exploratory laparotomy, but they could watch it. The patient had an open tibia fracture and a clear deformity of her femur, so they then consult the orthopedic resident. The orthopedic resident evaluates the patient. Because of the open nature of the fracture on the left, that automatically makes this sort of an emergency, not limb or life-threatening but the patient needs to get to the operating room within six hours of the open fracture so that they have a lower risk of infection. So now the coordination begins with the operating room, who are notified at the time of arrival of the patient that the patient is a polytrauma with multiple injuries, and so an OR is on the ready. Once appropriate clearance is obtained because we realize that the patient is not in a life or limb-threatening situation, so we can take our due diligence in terms of doing appropriate CT scans of the head, chest, and belly, patient was taken to the operating room where the on-call orthopedic surgeon was able to wash out the tibia, irrigate it and debride it, stabilize it in a splint, and then put a traction pin on the side of the femur fracture to get the femur fracture out to length. By doing this, instead of fixing the fractures right away, we let the patient sort of calm down from their initial trauma, stabilize their long bone fractures so that they don't get fat embolized syndrome or anything like that. The patient went to the ICU. The patient was in the ICU for 48 hours until they were more stable, and then I brought them back. Subsequently, once the trauma team gave us the okay, fixed her femur fracture and then fixed her tibia fracture and then again took care of her open wound and cleaned that out. And so that sequence took three to five days, but throughout that whole process, the trauma team, the orthopedic team were working in conjunction to make sure the patient was safe at all times. So a lot of coordination of care. A lot of things have to happen quickly, but it does follow that typical orderly sequence of triage and very interesting stuff. I imagine your on-call hours are not typically very quiet. You know, one of the things that we have in our department, what I said before about orthopedics being somewhat trauma-heavy in general, is that my colleagues here in the department all take call. They all have experience doing trauma, and they all take trauma call. And so they're able to temporize fractures so that if they need something urgent, that can be done. So fortunately, I'm not on call every night of the week, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I think I would probably go crazy. Summertime tends to be very busy for us. I always call it summer trauma season, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it is a very active time. The motorcyclists are out. People are much more active. Having said that, though, the winters also bring the ankle fractures and the hip fractures and that sort of thing. And so the hours are a bit unpredictable, and you know some days can be quiet, or some days you might be thinking that you only have one or two cases on, and all of a sudden you walk in in the morning and there were four patients that came in through the ER, through the emergency room that need to have surgery. So 
in the minute that we have left, as you look ahead, are there any issues on the horizon, both in care of periarticular fractures, which you have a special interest in, or in orthopedic trauma in general? I think the biggest thing is our aging population and the sole concept of fragility fractures. You know, I have patients who have a much more active life than I do in terms of a social life, and they want to maintain it even after their injury. And so we need to be very aggressive about how we manage our patients as we move forward. In terms of periarticular fractures, there's a number of research studies going on both here at the University of Pennsylvania and across the country on how to keep cartilage from undergoing that post-traumatic transformation. We know that when you directly impact load cartilage, that the cartilage cells take a beating and aren't very happy and they're screaming and they may not survive the initial insult. And so how do you keep them from dying and eventually going into post-traumatic arthritis, particularly in the younger population where joint replacement may not be an option? Well, I want to thank Dr. Samir Mehta, Chief of the Orthopedic Trauma Service at the University of Pennsylvania Health System Hospitals, for discussing with us orthopedic trauma and the role of the orthopedic traumatologist. This has been Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To learn more about this or any other show, please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can also register and sign up for access to our on-demand features. Thank you for listening.